All right. Well, welcome to another edition of the First Five Podcast. My pleasure today to have Paul Tripp uh, on. Paul, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. Great to be with you. So we're just going to jump in here. Uh, you know, I took a, a class from Paul several years ago and just so many foundational uh, items I, I picked up and want to just get to glean some of those uh, today for our listeners. So, Paul, first of all, you've worked with couples for way more years uh, than I have. Um, and uh, all of our listeners, they're listening today. Um, as you think through the different generations, what trends are you seeing in this younger generation as they're getting married? Uh, I've watched my children who are married, and uh, they intermarriage often with uh, college debt still. Uh, they're living in situations where it's very hard to live on one income, so both people work. That puts a lot of pressure on everyday schedule-wise and a lot of pressure on weekends because weekends where you've got to get a lot of things done. And the problem with that is it it means that couples um, are distracted from the kind of work that is necessary to make a marriage work. I, I say this all the time. A good marriage is a good marriage because people in that marriage are working on the marriage. A marriage is like a marriage is like a garden. Uh, you know, you clear a spot to plant beautiful flowers. With the day you plant, you know you're going to have to weed that garden just about every day, or those flowers will choke and die. And that's true of a, a marriage. If a marriage really is a sinner married to a sinner in a fallen world, then you then you can't coast. I'm deeply persuaded that the number one cause for marriage trouble and ultimately the failure of a marriage is not adultery, it's neglect. And it's it's not it's not meaning it's not intentional neglect. It's just we're we're grabbed up by the busyness of life and by the values of Western culture and uh, we don't put in the labor that is is necessary to make marriage work. And I think that pressure is greater now than it's ever been. Think in a slow-moving agricultural uh, culture where, where life was cheaper and slower paced. Still, there were pressures on marriage. Now those pressures are just, are just greater. Sure. So what would you say to the young couple that hears you say that and is like, Yes, that's me. Uh, neglect is a huge issue, but I haven't, I don't really know how to get out of that pattern. What do you, what do you say to that couple? Well, the first thing, first thing I would say is you have to mutually, both of you have to commit yourself to the work ethic of a good marriage. You have to commit yourself that it's going to, it demands labor. Second, you, you have to, Give that other person the uh, right to cry foul. If that person does something that's hurtful or harmful to the marriage, if you've done that, you've invited that person to come to you and say, that wasn't helpful. And, and I told my wife when I did that, and if you come to me and I resist you, remind me of this conversation. So you, you've established the fact that we're 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 going to deal with 
are issues. The right. third thing is, is schedule into your schedule time for you as a couple that's not going to a movie, it's not doing something athletic, it's just being together. Whether, whether that's a walk in a great park or a slow meal at a quiet restaurant. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm listening to that and I'm thinking for the younger generation, those are really challenging pieces of wisdom, but completely transformational. Let me let me switch gears uh, and ask my second question here. Uh, if we don't think just about the younger generation, but couples in general that you've worked with, and if you could distill or isolate two to three pieces of counsel that have been the most foundational or transformational for couples that you've worked with, what would those be? Well, the first one would be is a humble confession that your biggest, deepest, most long-term problem in your marriage is you. <laughs> right. And you, you just have to start with that. I mean, I'm, I'm naturally impatient. I naturally want more control than I, sh- than I should have. Uh, I'm naturally unforgiving. Uh, all those things are, are interruptive of a healthy marriage. Right. And so uh, I don't I don't so much need to be rescued from Luella, my wife. I knew I was marrying somebody less than perfect. Right. That's the nature of marriage. I, I need to be rescued from me. Sure. Because in the face of her sin, weakness, and failure, my first instincts are bad. Right. And so I've got to keep that in front of me, that... that uh, I'm, I'm in trouble as a spouse if I'm more concerned about her weakness and failure than I am my own. Right. That's the first thing. Humble, humbly admit that you are your biggest marriage problem. Man, if you can get a husband and wife to both do that, you're on the pathway to something, something beautiful. Yes. Uh, second thing, understand that uh, you're... you're Big difficulties are not in gender or role or schedule or finances or sex or parenting. Those are the locations where your real issue reveals itself, and the real issue is your heart. Right. And so lasting change in a marriage happens when when couples deal with their heart issues. Right. Uh, you may have heard me give this illustration. I, I was a very angry man. And I was, in the, I was in the midst of destroying my life and my ministry and through an unexpected conversation, God just ripped down the curtains and showed me my anger. Wow. And, and, if, and if I hadn't, by God's grace, been confronted that way by my Savior and committed myself to dealing with my anger, I not only would not be in ministry, I wonder if I'd be married. Wow. And and so what you have to do is you have to say, what are the issues that I'm carrying around in my heart that are interruptive 
of a sweet, beautiful, long-term marriage. Mm. Uh, and, and they're there in everybody. For and sure. then you can begin to identify those and set yourself to deal with, deal with those. Uh, and rather than throwing those at one another in an angry conversation, you get to a place where you don't have to do that. Luella didn't have to uh, throw anger at me, my anger at me in a vindictive way because I had become committed to dealing with my anger. I yeah. wanted to talk about it. I wanted to hear about it. I, I wanted to see the places where it was because I wanted to be free from it. Sure. So, so what are those hard issues for you that are interruptive of a good relationship? And then uh, the last thing I would say is you just you just can't overstate the importance of grace right. in, in a marriage. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, when I say that often couples think, well, that means you just minimize wrong. No. If, if wrong were right, there would be no need for grace. Hmm. Grace, grace, uh, acknowledges wrong, but it moves towards the person in love and forgiveness and a desire to help rather than moving away from the person in condemnation and judgment. Yes. And here's what I think happens. I don't think couples are aware of this, that although on Sunday they sing uh, joyfully about the grace of God, their marriage is a place of ungrace. Mm. It's it's all law and punishment. Wow. You do good and you're nice and you don't fail, I treat you nicely. Right. You mess up, I slam the door and walk away, I yell at you, I curse you with a silent treatment. Uh and and the thing about this is it's it kind of just everything we say we believe. Because we know the law is good at exposing sin. The right. law is good as a guide for life, but the law will never change you. Right. The law and the law will never deliver you from your sin, weakness, and failure. Right. And so a, a marriage that's law bound will sadly repeat the same issues over and over and over again. Wow. Because you're asking the law to do what it can't do. Right. Grace is not only a better way, forgiveness and love is not only better, but it has the power to change a marriage. Yes. I ask couples all the time, is there a grace economy in your marriage? Is there? Is, is there an ability to talk about wrong in a way that's productive and forgiving and patient. Right. Or are we, do you now have a marriage where you're walking through minefields wondering when you're going to get blown up next? <laughs> right. right. Because, because it's all just a bunch of rules, and you know when you fail, you get hammered. Right. Well, if, 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 you're, if you've been for years my judge, and not my friend and forgiver, no wonder we don't talk anymore. No wonder we don't enjoy 
one another's company. No wonder we don't want to spend time with one another. Wow. It just it just is the exact opposite of what makes for a, for a healthy marriage. Sure. Uh, so that that grace economy is I just think terribly important. Sure. Okay. So. I'm going to ask one closing question as a follow-up to what you just shared. You know, what stood out to me was this concept of ungrace, going to church, singing about the grace of God, coming back and uh, using law in the marriage. I think that's huge uh, for any couple to get. And my uh, kind of my corollary follow-up closing question would be this. You take a young couple that uh, is listening to you today and they, they're in agreement with you. They just don't know. They're like, okay, Man, I I want to be I want to be a grace filled individual. I want to have a grace filled marriage, and um, I I can't really recognize when I'm moving out of that and when I'm operating in the grace of God in my marriage towards my spouse. Any any wisdom counsel that you'd give to that couple as we close? Well, there's two things. One, I would say get help. Uh huh. Find through your pastor. Uh, a mature, godly couple that can that can help you to see things in your marriage that you wouldn't see by yourself. Good. But there's there's something else that I think is is very humbling but very powerful. Uh, you're you have to give up as a husband and wife the belief that no one knows you better than you do. Hmm. Because of that dynamic of spiritual blindness. Uh, no husband or no wife knows them as themselves as well as they think they do. So I need to grant permission to my spouse to help me to see myself accurately. That's great. My Luella for years in, in very patient ways brought my anger in front of me, but I wouldn't listen. Hmm. Because I thought I, I thought I knew me better than she did. Oh gosh, that's good. And and that's why that's why Hebrew says, exhort one another daily, lest anybody be hardened by what the deceitfulness of sin. Right. It's just not true that I know myself better than anyone else does. Wow. So, if I'm living twenty four seven with a person, they're an observer of me. Right. How about giving them an opportunity to talk about the me? that I don't know. Wow. And how about quit being defensive? How about firing your employer and listening? <laughs> right. What's the lose in that? <laughs> right. only going, there's, only gain, there's only gain in that. Right. And as I began to do that, I mean, not only did I just, did I see my anger in my marriage, I saw it everywhere. Hmm. Because finally, I was, I was willing to look at me through the eyes of someone more objective than me. Right. Wow. That is, that's fantastic. Um, being, de- being delivered from self-deception right there. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, that is great. Paul, thank you for your time. If our listeners, they want to, they're listening to you today and they're like, man, I want to get some more stuff that Paul has written or spoken on. Where can they do that? My website is just paultrip.com loaded with, with gospel resources, and then uh, I have an app that you can download, and that's loaded too. It's loaded with all kinds of uh, family applications like what we've been talking about, and stories of faith, and 
just all kinds of encouragement there in the gospel. So when you go to that website, you get the gospel. Also, I tweet the gospel every morning. That's all I ever tweet. But I know that I can forget what I've been given in Christ. Right. And that affects the way I live in my marriage. And so I do that every morning so that people will be encouraged, remember what they've been given, and live in light of that. That's fantastic. So I just want to encourage our listeners, go onto the website, get the app, um, follow on Twitter, because Paul has just got a wealth wealth of wisdom to share. So Paul, thank you again for your time. And thank we just, uh, we bless you and everything that you're doing. Well, ask me again sometime. I